98% of our collection is Atlanta-based artists, and mm. we're very intentional about that at this point. So will we purchase an artist's artwork from somewhere else? We could, but in terms of what we're looking for, it is to fuel the local arts economy. People talk about buying local, um, supporting local business, mm -hmm. um, keeping money within that economy. We believe that certainly for buying local artists, collect local, collect Atlanta. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. You do something for 10 years, it's not an accident. Your circumstances change. You change. But if you keep doing the same thing that long, you have to love it. If you collect art for 10 years, that collection has to be special. That collection probably says a lot about you and the times that you live in. Today, we got George and Sohei Galbraith, and they've built a fantastic collection of emerging and mid-career artists right here in ATL. Built by networking, built by supporting local artists, built with intention and built with love. They just published a new book about the journey. The Galbraith Collection, a decade of collecting Atlanta with essays and features over 100 images from their collection, serves to document and highlight the talent of Atlanta and make collecting accessible to everybody. We talk about the book, how they got into collecting, the artists in the collection, developing their own tastes and why this means so much to them. All that good stuff, that good art talk, that good art collecting talk. <laughs> we got to have more of that. Right here on the podcast is Studio Noise. Noise with a Z, baby. The voice of black art coming at you. Presented by Black Art in America. New shows debuting at the Dubai Gallery, February 18th. Her voice sings. The voices and stories of women at Baya includes paintings, mixed media works, textiles, sculptures, and more. From emerging to seasoned women artists right here in Atlanta and all well they're all over we're just we're just everywhere right now <laughs> the internet's we everywhere baby all that and more including artists Sachi Rome, Zoya Taylor, Deborah Cedric, Monica Brown and many many more also opening that day if only the patchwork could talk a heart disease awareness initiative what happens when you select 20 women who have experienced a traumatic medical ordeal to sit at the table share and then create if only the patchwork and talk symbolizes the connection and creative expression through art right there at the Dubai Gallery. So you got to go check it out. 1802 Connolly Drive, Atlanta, Georgia. Go see more at blackartamerica.com. And you can follow us at Studio Noise Podcast on IG, www.studionoisepodcast.com. You especially want to follow us on IG today because we're giving away a copy of Georgia Sohei's book, The Galbraith Collection. You can find the post on IG, but I want you to go to the post, follow Studio Noise. Just leave a comment of the favorite piece in your collection or a piece that you really want to get in your collection, whatever it is. Uh, you can put multiple entries in there, but no more than three. Let's keep it. Let's keep it playing. I'll be going through the comments and I'll pick a winner at random and send you a signed copy of this wonderful book. Includes a lot of artwork, includes your boy Jay Barber's in the book. I made the book, baby. I made it, mama. <laughs> That's all, it's all good. So leave a comment to win. Enter. It's a beautiful, wonderful book. It'll be great to add to your own personal collection. And now after the break, we're back. It's the noise. That good art talk right here on the noise, baby. George and Sohei Galbraith right here. It's the noise. You already know. Yes. This is Maya Bailey, community builder, artist, painter, illustrator. You listen to Studio Noise. Peace. It's your boy, Jay Barber. Yes, live from Castleberry Hill, home of the George Galbraith. Hey, man, I was walking up down the street, man. I'm going to say this before we start. Okay. <laughs> I was walking down the street. I was like, y'all surprised? Like, how much of your art? 
is up on the walls down here. Oh. <laughs> like, even when I pass by, is that George? Is that George, too? Like, man, this guy's peppering the neighborhood. But anyway, we That was here. not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with uh, two of my favorite people. I've known them for so long. Always good to see them. And they got a new new project they got coming out. We got George and Sohei Galberth uh, here with us. Y'all say hello to the people. Hello. Hey, people. <laughs> yes, they coming back on the podcast after so long. And today... We're going to be focusing on like this new book project that y'all came out with, which I think is beautiful. Personally contributed to it myself. Um, the Galbraith Collection, A Decade of Collecting Atlanta. The first 10 years. Mm-hmm. 10 years y'all been collecting. <laughs> really? How did this happen? <laughs> you blinking, it's gone. Yeah. That's really, that quick. Just that like quick. that. when three of us, the pandemic. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a black <laughs> hole right there. Yeah. Ain't, ain't yeah. going to go that conversation. But yeah, but tell them a little bit about yourselves. Remind them who you are, George and Sohei. Please. My name is Sohei Galbraith. Um, background is engineering and finance, but I've been working in this art space now for probably the past 12 years. Um, left corporate nine years ago to do this full time. Work with artists and creatives um, in the areas of organization, finance, and accounting. Um dabble a bit now, I guess, in the curatorial space, but more so from a production perspective, I'd like to say. And we are lovers um, of the arts and artists. Um, I like to say that artists are my rock stars. Mm-hmm. I like that. And she married a rock star. So I'm George Galbraith. Um, I am a 19-year veteran public school, high school teacher. Uh, teacher at Westlake High School. Shout out to the Lions. Um, I am a, I tell people I have two full-time jobs because I'm also a full-time artist. When I come home at night, me and Asoe sit here and come up with concepts for my work and we curate together. Um, uh, oh, like a, like a tag team. Exactly. Yo, On this couch, in fact. <laughs> like, right <here>. Always. Yeah. <laughs> right there together. That's what's up. How has like this relationship affected your art? Like, I mean, you know, you're like you're just saying, come here and y'all concept together. But it, like, I've seen the kind of support that she mm-hmm. gives you, just in terms of like celebrating you. Like the way she looks at you is exactly how a woman need to look at her rock star, <laughs> like artist husband man. Like, I love that kind of stuff. She is my muse. Um, so I will tell you, I was not creating when we met. Um, really? I, I was out of grad school. I was uh, freshly moved to Atlanta from central Missouri and I was tired. Like I didn't want to do anything except for go to work and come home. And um, when we first started dating, she was like, you're an artist, but there's none of your work in your home. <laughs> like, like how do I, she didn't believe me. I don't think as a matter of fact, I think the first pieces that I really did when we were together um, she was blown away because she was like, "Oh, you're a real artist," <laughs> you know. And she's like, "I just thought you." Were she cute. was like, "You should quit that job at Pier One. <laughs> that little supplemental income ain't ain't cutting it." Yeah. And uh, that's uh, literally when she gave me the guest room. We uh, well, we got engaged, we got married. She gave me the guest room, and she said, "This is your studio." And we started creating right then. And Ooh. I say we because. There was a time when I was like most artists, I had to work by myself mm-hmm. in my space, in my zone. And then all of a sudden she started coming in. I said, what's she, what's she doing? <laughs> she would just sit you? there. <laughs> and then I would, I would wait for her to leave. And then I'd start working again. <laughs> and then it got to a point where I would come in and she would already be there. Oh, wow. And then like, it got to room. a point yeah. where it's she would fall room. asleep. And I, I'm like, okay, well, if she's just going to be here, I'm just going to work while she's here. And before I knew it, um, I needed her around mm, to work. Look at that. And it worked out great. Look at that. Man, yeah. let me get my tissues out for this interview. <laughs> y'all, <laughs> y'all too sweet on me, man. Damn, I got plenty of them for you. It's <laughs> black love right here, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so, so, hey, it's like, have you always been interested in art in that way? Or is this something that developed more deeply over time as you've seen George work and stuff like that. Got like the real one-on-one. I think people talk about art and more so I think I've always been drawn to creativity. Mm-hmm. So my mom is a serial entrepreneur and creative and she was my first rock star. Um, 
as an engineer, I think engineers are often creative people. Um, so I think I've always been creative um, and drawn to creativity. Um, I like it most when it doesn't look like my own. Mm. So the way that I like playing with numbers and puzzles and figuring things out, like that's where my creativity comes into play. But visually, um, being married to an artist like George, it just, it was a different side of that creativity. So we grew up playing instruments, doing stuff. Mom always had us kind of doing that sort of thing. Um, she was in the theater a bit. Um, so yeah, like that creativity being around me, like that has always been there. I just happened to marry a visual artist. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when the love and appreciation for visual arts deepened and I like learning. And so George was like this in-home teacher. George is an amazing teacher, like not just for high school students, but like if there is something that he knows and you need a deeper understanding or appreciation for it, like he's going to give it to you and you're going to look up and be like, wow, like you didn't even know that he was kind of schooling you in the way that he was. Mm -hmm. And so I think that has helped um, kind of develop that connection for me. So in the beginning of the book, like one of the first lines written by Floyd Hall, I guess it's almost like an intro. Mm -hmm. uh, collections of art are in many ways reflections of taste, time, people, relationships, and perspectives. So we got to get into just the idea of this collection that y'all did. Was this a conscious thing that y'all decided to do? Absolutely like, not. Um, now, I will say that a Sohei, okay, so when we bought in the city, we moved from Alpharetta, mm -hmm. and I lived at Camp Creek. Um, so when we got married, um, you know, I didn't want a Sohei have to commute, so... We uh, lived in Alpharetta for, I guess, a year or two years? Three. Three years. Whew, that commute was terrible. <laughs> um, and when we moved into this house in Castleberry Hill, the first thing Sohei wanted me to do was put up the artwork. Mm -hmm. She was Your like, artwork. Um, um, just any artwork we had. Okay. Like at that point, I had one co-workers. Well, we had two of Two co-workers work. Mm -hmm. Another co-worker from Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, and my work at that mm -hmm. point. And literally, she wanted all the artwork hung before we moved anything in and that set it all off what was that about uh, to me we were we were moving into this artsy district this artsy area george had desired to um get a loft like space right and that was where we had disagreed initially because all the lofts we were looking at felt cold and concrete floors and exposed ceiling like it just it wasn't what I was used to it didn't feel like home mm -hmm. and our home ended up kind of being a mesh of the two so it was this town home feel we had a garage you know it was like we kind of got both but I did appreciate that creative eclectic thing that mm -hmm. the space allowed for and I thought that it would be brought alive by art so it's like if you're gonna bring me into this space with this exposed brick wall I want to see some art on the wall like right. before we do all the other stuff. Like, right. please get this artwork up. So if we're in here sitting on crates, I got something beautiful to look at. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It can, it can start with something just that simple, right? Absolutely. Just wanting to change your space. Mm -hmm. And so I talk about that a lot on the show is like art can be an investment. We got to have a whole conversation about that. But most of the time, uh, if you're going to buy art, don't bet on your artist being Kahende Wiley. Right. <laughs> right? Just just, <laughs> just grab a piece that you feel like you could walk by every day and feel good about. Mm -hmm. And like Absolutely. if you add like a little bit of extra uh, energy to your life when you walk past it on your way to work or something. Like that's for most art, honestly, that's the most you're going to get out of it. That's the value. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? That's Absolutely. the yeah, that's yeah. the true value, like mm -hmm. the intrinsic value of the object. Mm -hmm. Investment stuff, you know, we can get into a lot of mm -hmm. numbers and all this other stuff, but it gets complicated and to me away from what the purpose of art is right. in the first place. And I think that's what y'all were describing with that one. Definitely. So what was one of the first pieces that you actually got into your space? It's funny you should ask that because this Jamal Barber, <laughs> let's, let's fall in love, let's stay in love. No, that's it. it yeah. and that was, was the it? first piece <laughs> that we purchased living in the space. That's late 2014. Um, we closed on this space in May 2014, but we didn't start living here until August, September. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember when you had your studio visit, but it was, I want to say like 
fall yeah. of the same Everything year. Everything was fall. So it was fall, and it, it took us a minute to <laughs> figure out, <laughs> can we afford this? Can we do this? This is the largest investment we've made to date. Um, but yeah, that that was the first piece that That's was amazing. added to this home. And that was all of Sohei, by the way. Like, <laughs> driving way out to Alabama where you live. Okay. George. Hey, listen. Like, th- I'm just giving you my perspective. Because I was like, where are we going? <laughs> You know, um, walking through your space and, you know, like as an artist, I appreciate work, right? You know, artists appreciate artwork. However, my collector's brain was not formed. Like it it, it took, it was probably about a third of the way through (laughs) of this collection before I really bought into, oh my God, we about to be art collectors. Mm. That's going to be a new line on my signature. And you know what I mean? Like on my Instagram, it's going to say art collector. (laughs) <laughs> because that's something different and yeah when we went to your your studio like that was we were going not as me this artist i was going as an art collector and that was that's new that's very new for me yeah that's amazing that's different like it's, it's crazy how like we see that as two different things yeah like even though it's kind of not like because you know you you teach and i'm getting into teaching now and so like the idea that we look at art and examine it is like constant and so, but we never figured that in terms of us setting a definition of taste for what we like. Like, we don't see yeah. it that way. It's more like an active process of us making art. Like, right. So we're making art all the time when we see these decisions and we're looking at this and I like this, I don't like that. Exactly. Um, but it's not a separate thing. So that's interesting. But Sohei saw it as this is the the goal, right? Is to get this work, like, in that way? Well, I don't it was. It started with so, like George said, when we got together, he wasn't creating, and he created this one piece, um, the three jazz musicians. And when he was finished with it, I was like, "Oh, this is mine! Like, I I want this. I I don't want us to sell this. This is something I want for us and for here. And it actually is in our bedroom now, um, because that's how close I want it to be. And I um, didn't understand that. I said, "What do you mean? I'm." <laughs> I made this, put the time in. It's being sold. This is out of here. This is mine. First chance I get. Right. (laughs) And so I in the um in our living area in that house in Alpharetta, I had George hanging where I wanted it to be. And I would sit there. And at the time I was working the corporate job and we were starting this creative thing that was going on and I would look up at those pieces and they were inspiring to me and brought me comfort and inspiration. And so like George said, like his pieces were the beginning of our collection, mm-hmm. but that feeling that I got from those pieces, I wanted more of it. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, you get this taste of dopamine. Like I want some more right. of that. And I think that's where it started. But then by the time we moved here, it was like, oh, Jamal's having something at his house. Like, I want, I want to go see. I want to go and be inspired and be around beautiful things. Um, and this idea that we might be able to afford one and bring it into our space to live with yeah, was just an evolution of George's three jazz musicians. And I don't want that to leave me. And I appreciate the comfort and joy that I get looking up at it. Where do we meet each other? Because uh, this, this was like... I mean, they're talking about a piece, uh, and we don't post pictures on this on the Studio Noise IG, um, but this is a piece that I did after I did the first little bit of learning how to do screen prints. This Black Love series was the first body of work that I did, like printing and doing mixed media type stuff with it. So the way you see my work going in that direction now. And so this was a long time ago. Yeah. And so we had to have, in order for me to invite you to my house, we had to have met. (laughs) <laughs> like before that. So is this before Articulate 2014? No, this is post Articulate 2014. Okay. But we met Jamal. So I was first introduced to your work in 2011. Oh, wow. And um, Myra. Myra, yeah. Had a piece. Shout out to Myra, home. yo. Shout yeah. out to Myra. Yeah. She had a piece in her home. Um, and Myra actually hosted my bridal shower. So that's how I know it was 2011. So she hosted the bridal shower in Castleberry, Mm -hmm. right? So this is all still the neighborhood. Um, And at that point in time, we used to really recruit and be on the lookout for emerging talented artists. So what year did you start Articulate? 2013. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we missed you in 2013. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you were part of 2014 show at ADAC. Yeah. That was the meeting. meeting. Yeah. That's what's up. 
That's a long time ago. That's a long time ago. Man. But but I only want to make sure we put that on record because in terms of collectors, I think it's always great, especially now living in a contemporary time where you have access to the people that are making stuff to do these visits, to meet them, go to the studio, talk to them, vibe out with them. You see what kind of people they are. It means a lot to the artists. And I speak for myself in terms of if I'm just like at this time. Just started printmaking, got laid off at my job, said I'm going to be a full-time artist. I'm going for it. I'm doing all these shows, doing all this stuff. And then two people come by the house, invest in your boy so, you know, so I can keep doing what I do. Like that kind of validation, like is what keeps artists going. Like that's kind of like the thing that keeps me making work, even when it gets like hard and low at the times, is that I have people that, that out there that I feel like believe in what you're doing. Another artist just told us that probably about a month or two ago. And I couldn't believe it because, like, even when I looked at your work back then, I was like, oh, you know, he already made it. You know, (laughs) he good. He an artist. He a good artist, you know. And uh, another artist that we felt like. Had made it. Yeah, had already made it. Said the same thing. And it it was probably within the past month. But he said that we... When we came over and purchased those two pieces, we went to his studio, ended up buying two pieces. He said, you don't know how much I needed that. And he said that we were some of the first collectors of his work. Mm -hmm. But we've been seeing his work. We thought the work was amazing. We had no idea who or who wasn't buying it. But going back to your point of whether it's an investment or you think it's going to bring you joy um, and then vibing with the person. Like we don't have a piece from anybody that we haven't met and appreciated Mm -hmm. in some capacity. Yeah. So. Correct. That's a great story. And so I remember now we're sitting at your house right now. I remember bringing this piece over uh, <laughs> and helping y'all decide where you was going to hang it at first. <laughs> and so this wall that we're looking at, I'm going to take pictures if you don't mind. I'll take yeah. pictures and, and show people that it's completely different now. Yeah. Like when I when we first got here, you may have had eight pieces total on the wall. You it was know, six. You were number seven. Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, 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 but now, like now I'm sitting here looking at this wall. I'm seeing Bahamo Piku. I'm seeing Tommy David. I'm seeing Hebrew. I'm seeing Kevin Cole. Like all types of people that you've managed to collect over time. And like you have this beautiful spread in this wall. And it's just like the entryway, the exposed brick like that Sohei was talking about. But it's more stuff as it goes up the hallway. Like it's filling up like your home. How does how do you feel about that? Like looking back, do you ever think about like how much work you've collected at this time, and like do you remember all the stories and stuff like that? Every I, single one. Yeah, I think every story <laughs> is, and I, I don't have a great memory, but <laughs> every single piece has an individual story, and and that's that's the beauty of it. Um, I will say, as a quick side note. Till this day, your frame is the most sturdy, <laughs> cleanest frame that we have of all of our pieces. It's beautiful. Every time I take it off the wall, I'm like, yeah, this is a sturdy frame. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So That's love. Excellent craftsmanship. Thank yeah, you. Thank that. you. Yes, yeah. that's love and dedication yeah. right there. Um, but no, the work, um, it's it's become part of our uh, family. Like, like, you know, the experience we have with the work is like, when you wake up and you say hello to someone, I, I, I get up and I walk out of our bedroom and there's this certain way the light hits the work that's in the stairwell. And, you know, I got to rotate it out every once in a while because I don't want the oh, work yeah, to be yeah, damaged no, by yeah, the sun. No, be, but nonetheless, yeah, no, like, you know, I, I see that light <laughs> and um, it emphasizes certain pieces during different times of the day. And if a piece was missing, as a matter of fact, like we've now gotten to the point where. Sometimes our collection goes to different places or sometimes one of my pieces might be up somewhere else and we miss it. Mm. We miss it in yeah. that space. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. When we did the, um, the book release event and exhibit a couple of weeks ago, um, people asked like, how long is it going to be up? How long are you going to leave it up? I wanted it back in the house immediately. <laughs> immediately. Like and my it stuff was back. like, we hung. <laughs> well, George took everything. All the pieces came down. Um, him and Lamar took everything down on a Thursday. We hung on a Friday. The event was on Saturday. And we could have left it up until Tuesday. 
Um, just through the weekend, additional eyes. No, nah, I want my stuff back. No, I, I wanted it. When it was gone on Thursday, the house felt empty. Wow. It felt like we had mm. moved out. And we still had every piece of furniture <laughs> in here. And at least 30 to 40% of the work was still here. And it still felt like the apocalypse inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> this is wrong. That's what yeah, This is wrong. This ain't right. it. Mm-hmm. This, this is not it. Mm-hmm. Currently, how many pieces do you have? Um, accounted for, <laughs> there are 178 pieces. Wow. Nice. Are they all kind of um, smaller like this? Like, I don't want to say smaller, mm-hmm. but they like a smaller size compared to like um, piece, people that buy like big pieces. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you were on a wall like this, you'd only put three or four mm-hmm. big pieces. But now you have, I don't know, 20, 25, mm-hmm. like medium sized pieces I would say. We like something between like fourteen about. inches by eighteen inches. Like, you know, and they're smaller, they go up and down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the largest piece, like we have a couple that are probably what is that? Five feet by four feet. Um but I'd say we only have four pieces that you know, mm-hmm. hit that four by five feet, three by four feet, mm-hmm. um, kind of spread throughout the space. Was that a uh, reason behind it? Um, pricing sometimes, real estate, mm. like the the amount of space that a piece takes up on the wall mm-hmm. is a struggle these days. And um, we were meeting so many amazing artists and early on in the collecting, there was a, we wanted original artwork. Right. Mm. We wanted original artwork that we were really drawn to and they happened to be smaller pieces that we could afford. Um, and we meet so many amazing artists. Like we I think early on kind of understood that we could have six artists <laughs> in the space mm. or we could have a wall with 30 artists. Right. You know, um, yeah. and I know it's a lot, but that's just how many amazing artists that within the space that we work in and that we live in. When you know that many people with that much amazing work, yeah, we don't have a large home. Yeah, but that speaks about um, strategy. Like mm-hmm. all collectors have a different kind of strategy of like what they're looking for, yeah. um, and so you'll see people that uh, either focus on certain colors, they'll focus on certain uh, mediums, right? They'll focus on like certain areas. Like I only want like Tennessee art, you know what I'm right. saying, or something like that, um, and so. It's funny that y'all have chosen. Well, I ask you this: Is it size or is it price? Like, which what's the priority for you? Like, when you are looking to now, get it's just something? what we love. Now, it's just what initially, you love. Yeah. it was it was pricing. Right. Initially, is because it took a lot to be comfortable with investing. <laughs> like I said, like your piece, like back then. Yeah, it was uh, a stretch back then. It was, it was like, like ooh. <laughs> You know, he a real artist. <laughs> and, 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 and one of the lessons um, from Maya was like, one purchase but gets the next one. And so it's right. like, okay, you buy this piece for $400. And then next time it's like, oh, that was $1,000. Oh, that was $2,000. It becomes easier. You're stretched right. and it becomes easier. But then it became an issue of real estate. Um, but we still are going to buy what we love. Like we have this piece from Dizzy. And it's large. And I don't know if we knew where we were going to put it, but we loved it. So it didn't matter how big it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we talked a little bit about, and yeah, they can go back and listen to the old episode where we talked about articulate a lot. But just talk, just briefly summarize articulate, and then we'll talk about the, the ways in which that has fed into your collection. Well, it was amazing to hit the 10-year anniversary for articulate this year as well. And realized that we've been collecting artwork for about 10 years as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, Articulate has um, fueled our collection. Um, not only the relationships with the artist, but... But um, give us a summary of what Articulate is. Well, I let so Sohei do that. Yeah. Thing. She did. So it's an <laughs> annual art social featuring all Atlanta artists, um, emerging artists who may not have gallery representation, that sort of thing. And it is with the intention of having an emerging collector meet with an emerging artist. So Mm. bringing those two groups of people together um, to hopefully grow together. And we usually have 30 to 35 artists participate. Each artist gets kind of a wall of space to showcase their work. The artist keeps 100% of their sales. 
um, and for any given season of Articulate, we have 800 to 1,000 people come out and purchase work. Um, this past year, artists sold $75,000 worth of work at Articulate. Nice. They kept all of it. Nice. Um, so that is where we meet a lot of these amazing emerging artists, but it definitely changed probably our eye and even our palette for what we loved. So sometimes you have people who are like, oh, I want this big name or I want this dead artist or this is the person who's going. But you start to meet these amazing people and you see the beauty in their work. And it's like, I want this now. Right. I don't have to wait until they blow up and, you know, have all the accolades like we can support this now so that they can grab that next piece of canvas. Yeah. And we've been collecting from Articulate since the very first event. But um, I hope that, like us, people see the value of their work increase a bit. Because, I mean, you're, you know, you're not going out there betting on anybody being the next big time artist. But the likelihood of that happening when you've got 60 some odd artists in your collection, <laughs> you know, like we've seen a few blow. And uh, we look at that small piece of artwork that we purchased for this amount, and it has, what, times? Seven, eight fold. Yeah. And that's uh, happened a few times. Um, But, you know, and we don't just collect and articulate. Um, We have some mid-career artists, I think is what the terminology might be. But articulate um, has allowed an immersion into the arts for me and for me to see a whole lot of artwork from a lot of different artists and it certainly informed the fact that 98% of our collection is Atlanta-based artists, and mm-hmm. we're very intentional about that at this point. So will we purchase an artist's artwork from somewhere else? We could, but in terms of what we're looking for, it is to fuel the local arts economy. People talk about buying local, um, supporting local business, mm-hmm. um, keeping money within that economy. We believe that certainly for buying local artists collect local collect atlanta yeah so now we we getting to like flesh out y'all strategy a little bit more <laughs> right we getting get a, every every time y'all talk it's a little bit more so now it's like atlanta artists now you talk about price now you talk about like what you love and it's like supporting the community like all of this stuff is kind of the strategy behind a lot of it and so i've seen a lot of people <clears throat> and it's funny we're working with um black art america and Najee and Tyria as art dealers, they they have a lot of that. You see so many different reasons why people collect, right? And so you'll see that Samella Lewis might be the new name that's on people's tongue and mm-hmm. that people are looking for whatever they can get out of Samella Lewis. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, it's that, that kind of thing. And so it's interesting to be able to identify all the strategies. This is not to say that, that one strategy is right or wrong. But you just have to think about like what it is exactly that you want to get out of your collection. Right. You know what I'm saying? Why are you investing all this time and money into it in the first place? And like what's the intrinsic value um, that makes it all make sense? Like makes all the effort worth it, you know? Because it is a lot of work to go out and meet artists, uh, to collect, to research it, to learn like materials, you know what I'm saying? Get stuff framed and like put up like that. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a big cost to it. And so that's very interesting to see, hear y'all talk about it. Um, tell me about one or two pieces that we you see in here and kind of the stories behind it. Well, um, I think for me, and this is one that I keep coming back to, but Tom Davey, um, uh, Thomas Higgins, uh, local Atlanta artist, definitely making waves uh, nationally at this point. Um, works in a kind of modern day cubist kind of style mm-hmm. and with markers. And I was blown away by that just because I, as a high school teacher, I got a lot of students to work with markers. You know, they, they love Copic markers. They yeah. love uh, Prismacolor yeah. markers, <laughs> expensive markers. But um, I keep telling them it's a tool. And when Tom Davey came with this style and depicting local Atlanta scenes, such as the Magic City image that we purchased that's near and dear to my heart, um, it just kind of blew me away. Like um, uh, he's been doing this for a while now and his style has, uh, he's tweaked it and he's made it his, his own, um, goes beyond cubism, I think at this point. And he's really got um, a personal touch. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. One of my favorites is um, from AD, mm-hmm. um, the self-portrait. And we first met AD, first moved to the neighborhood 
I think this had to be 20. We hadn't moved to the neighborhood yet because it was 2013. It was 2013 because we didn't move here until 2014. And someone was like, oh, you guys do this articulate show. You need to meet Maya Bailey. Like, okay. So we go down to City of Ink and we think Maya is a female. (laughs) And there's this show and George, I think, asked, like, are you Maya? And she like, no. (laughs) And and, and right then she's like, I'm not going to tell Maya. That this person's looking for them because clearly they don't know. This clearly they don't know Maya. Yeah, yeah. So, so, nobody in here. Yeah. yeah, but she um she had her solo show there and it was called the Pinup Series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember really appreciating the show, but we weren't really buying artwork, right? Like mm-hmm. it was that was still really new to us. Um, but she ended up participating in the very first Articulate in 2013. She was back in 2014 as well. And I asked her later, I was like, hey, you remember that self-portrait you had? She's like, yeah, I don't know about having me up in somebody's house. Feels kind of weird. She didn't want to part with the piece. And every time we saw her, every few months, I'd be like, hey, that piece. And George was like, if you don't stop asking her about that piece, she's going to stop fooling with us. Like, like, clearly she ain't trying to come up off the... And, you know, AD wasn't as direct as to say, like, I'm not going to do this thing. It was just kind of like, yeah, you know, no. And it was probably about four years later, she came over to the house one day, randomly, and she said, I got that piece for you. And it was, um, I think it was more so based on the relationship that we had cultivated over that span of time that she was even willing to share that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is, yeah, it means a lot. Since we talk about art collecting, Black Art America is the place to go to just build your art collection or start your art collection. On March 4th from 2 to 4 p.m., art collector and patron Ashley Lee Esquire's hosting an art collector's talk collecting contemporary black art at the Black Art America Gallery. Go to blackartamerica.com to get your tickets and learn more. Now, I love that, Joe. And so I see a lot of explorations of materials in here. We got like got Fabian Williams. What's up, Fabian? Oh, that, and that's Kaya's a photographer. Uh, Kaya shoots. You can follow her on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have photography. You have graphite over here with Fabian. You got Toki Taylor's up in the room. You got acrylic paintings, watercolors. Um, you got my man Reggie Laurent with the kind of sculptural kind of pieces. You got photo transfer over here with Natrice. Like so many different materials. What do y'all think about that? Like there's never there's never been like one thing that y'all have like looked out for be like, yo, I love acrylic paints. Or or over the ten years, has it changed to be like just twenty fifteen, you just like, yo, we going to acrylic hard this year? I don't think it's been about the um exploration of materials so much as um I do see a consistency with um the figure. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, I talked to Kevin Cole or we talked to Kevin Cole about this periodically and just um, how we are drawn to the black figure, the black body as a subject matter, even like before it was cool most recently. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I see that as a common denominator through our work. And I think that that's probably because we collect 90 percent black artists. Right. You think it's not that percentage? It's higher than that. It's higher than that, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And uh, our perspective is typically dealing with us in some kind of way, even with uh, Mr. Uh, Henderson's work, um, Aaron Henderson's work. um, Mm -hmm. It's so abstract that you don't see any figures in there necessarily, but I know the topic of the piece definitely is dealing with us. Um, Afro-Lanica. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, that's the thing that I see most, um, but I am glad that we're, diversified like our materials um sculpture is the thing that i really desire now but we have no space for (laughs) sculptural pieces we gotta figure that out yeah that is tricky yeah yeah i think um i think our our what we've collected is probably more so a reflection of the artist and the space and the time than it probably is of what we 
desire, right? Like, I think we're going to find beauty in it, but um, I think it's a really great reflection of emerging and mid-career artists in Atlanta during this time um, and what they are exploring. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And so you, do you feel like in given such a up close and personal like interaction with the Atlanta art scene, how do you feel like it's changed in the last 10 years? Because it's an entirely new group of artists, like from articulate when I was there to articulate now, like it's almost completely different. And so do you supposed see- to be. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, right? But you know, it's funny. You have a documentary that goes along with that. And that was one of the questions you asked me in the documentary. Like, at what point did I transition out of doing it? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, speak to that a little bit. Well, no, um, we, in one way, we're very intentional. Um, we always, like, even after we go through the blind selection process, we double check the numbers and make sure that we have at least 30% artists who haven't participated in Articulate before. So that's always, like, the check. But it's never been especially necessary. The hope is that artists grow and evolve, right? That Articulate provides them a platform that they can grow and create space for other artists because they've moved on. Um, so yeah, like we shouldn't show up and see the same artists. I mean, we're going to have some repeat artists and we love to have them back. And there's some artists who are like, we've had to kind of push a bit and be like, eh, yeah, we think you've done this enough. Like we think you're great, but I think it's also like, if we're just looking at blind submission, like your work is great. Like you, you're going to be top 10 all the time, but we know that we want to create space for other emerging artists. Mm-hmm. And so, um being intentional and deliberate um, about that. Yeah. It's, it's been exciting for me to watch the collectors change. Oh, you yeah. know, like um, um, we know people that bought their first piece at Articulate mm-hmm. and now they got a whole house full of artwork. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. Like it's, it's been beautiful. Even our partners, uh, Brandon Ball and Courtney Ware, um, when they first came to Articulate and we merged these things together, um, they were the party. They were, the uh, entertainment company, they brought the DJs and we brought the artists, we brought collectors in. Now they posting up because they done bought pieces that articulate. Um, We've gotten closer to the DJs, (laughs) you know, like, so these two worlds have collided and merged together. And yeah, yeah, it's exciting to still see people buying their first piece in our 10th year of articulate. And I think that's pretty awesome because it's uh hopefully uh birthing the next group of gen- uh collectors yeah are y'all kicking people along the way like to make them like hey y'all need to go ahead and get that like, oh uh, like well no it's to a point now it's, it's yeah. really competitive like oh. people keep oh, buying yeah? pieces that we want and we're trying <laughs> to wait until the show starts yeah. but it's hard yeah and there was there was one year i remember where we had to, we said we're gonna give it an hour right like Gonna let people in here for an hour, but once that first hour hit, like at eight o'clock, <laughs> we going and, forward, yeah, right. Like, um, <laughs> and one of those pieces I remember was Charity, um, a spoonful, and uh, Charity Amidala, and at eight o'clock, nobody had purchased it, and I was like, hey. And of course, like as soon as I did, people were like, oh my God, I was going to get that piece. You had a whole hour. So <laughs> yeah, you a whole hour. Yeah. So we try to make sure that we're leaving space for the collectors to come through and right. see some amazing um, items. But yeah, it's tough. It's yeah, tough. Just make it fair for everybody. Yeah, everybody give them a shot. Get a shot at we it. We try. Even if it's one hour. Yeah, except for that Sean Monkey behind you, we had to get that. <laughs> yeah. Like when we saw him come with that, we were like, okay, you know. Don't even, you can put it up there, but we're gonna put this dot beside it right quick. <laughs> Don't even there. Don't know? even put that one yeah, up. Just yeah. put it right in my bag. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> That's what's up, yo. Tell me about um kind of some of the relationships you have with other collectors, like like Kevin Cole, who is an amazing artist. We're gonna get him on the show like soon. But mm-hmm. um amazing artist, but also an amazing collector. And I know you have a good relationship with him. He used to teach at Westlake mm-hmm. um with you. And like talk about that relationship and how it helped like develop your eye and even develop maybe even your strategy for getting stuff. Well, speaking of um, not having any work of my own on my walls, when it's so like on our first, second, third date, she came over and she's like, yo, you got this big six by six foot piece of amazing artwork in your home. Like who did that? And Kevin was just letting me hold it. 
<laughs> you know, he just needs somewhere to put it, right? Storage. And I mean, mind yeah, you, this is the most expensive thing in my house at this point because we sitting on pillows and stuff. And, you know, I was trying to make it sexy, but like, you know, six by six foot piece by Kevin Cole was, yeah, it was expensive. Yeah. And um, I was like, don't get attached to that because that's, that's, <laughs> that's going to leave. But um, Kevin just dropped so many nuggets for us to understand about collecting and understand about uh, the value of collecting work. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just been really interesting to see. And even the nar- narration, right? So he he was one of, like, he talked about having themes. And so Kevin collects a lot of art educators, right? Mm-hmm. That's thematically. But a few years in, he was like, well, thematically, what are you collecting? I'm like, I don't know. And we talk about it and talking about it, but we were collecting Atlanta artists. Like, it was what we were doing. We were collecting yeah. emerging mm-hmm. artists. Like, it, it was happening. But to really kind of put that narrative around it um, was important. And not only, but Kevin has introduced us to other collections. So Kevin introduces us to artists, but also other collections that we wouldn't have had any familiarity with. So Greg Head's collection, we were introduced to because of Kevin or Mike Harris because of Kevin or Brendan Larry Thompson because of Kevin. And so um the introduction to artists, but introduction to other collectors that mm-hmm. you could look to for inspiration, aspiration. Um, and he always said, um, you need to grow with the artist that you collect. They need to grow with you and you need some other collectors that you can grow with. Mm. So um, he was almost telling us, find some friends your own age, you know? <laughs> and um, it, it was, it was surprising to see that there were so many um, collectors in their late 30s, early 40s, they were collecting. Or actually, yeah, this is back in the 30s, you know. Yeah. And we were, um, yeah, yeah, like the the Joneses, we've been appreciating them. Um, um, there's a whole kind of collector's collective mm-hmm. now that we, folks uh, communicate on IG. And uh, I guess we're going to Morocco to the 154 uh, Contemporary African Art Fair with a bit of a cohort of collectors and creatives and whatnot. So that's uh, that's. It's pretty dope. But I think, too, what Kevin did, and I think the light bulb just went off, but we talk about articulate connecting emerging artists to emerging collectors to allow the collectors to grow with the artists, right? So, but even in that information that he provided about artists growing with their collectors and collectors growing with their artists um, has been some of the, the basis for articulate in what we've attempted to cultivate and curate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. talk a little bit to me about um kind of not just the process of making the book but the process of revealing your collection um because there's a the big thing you know we all know about you know swiss beats and lizard keys you know with the huge <laughs> you know hebrew brantley statue in their living room and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and so we know those stories but i see a, a more a bigger um emphasis i would say on collectors of revealing what they have a little bit, not in a bragging way, but more in a like, this is how I support the arts type of way, right? I see a lot more Instagrams with such and such collection or, you know what I'm saying, or a feature like that. And like now, like the book that you have coming out also is is putting it and making it into a con- concrete form that's made for history, much less about social media and and you know, the whole show of it, mm-hmm. but more about the documentation of it. And so talk to me a little bit about that and see if you have that same feeling in, in the circles that you're rolling with. I feel like uh, the artists and the creatives are, are like making these documents that are like the archives of history, mm-hmm. but the collectors are taking care of it. The collectors are the ones that bring those bodies of work together. Um, um, not that we control the narrative, we're protecting it, we're guarding that narrative, especially considering that so many people outside of the African-American community purchase work from the African-American community and more or less take that narrative from us in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, this new generation of young black collectors are hopefully going to hold on to that like we holding on to grandmama's house. Mm-hmm. And if we're able to control that narrative and if we're able to guard and protect that, then hopefully we'll be able to protect history in a way. 
this history that's happening now that folks are going to look back on and say this renaissance is going on in Atlanta happened back in this in this period and these are the works that were created then you want to talk about the book yes i got to talk about the book the book so- is like, <laughs> like what 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 inspired the book and like how was that process for you so interestingly enough the book <laughs> was born um, from the idea of a zine. And the zine came about during the pandemic. Mm. And so we realized, oh, we've been collecting for 10 years. Like, it would be really cool to put together a zine. And the zine can include one piece from each year. And Bahamu could, like, maybe he could write an article. I was like, yeah, I'd love to, like, write something. Like, okay. So we start working on the zine. And after he completes... The article, and we're getting ready for the zine, um, we wanted the zine to coincide with a piece that we had been wanting from Kevin probably about eight, nine years, almost as long as we've been in the house. And I wanted a copper piece for the house because I just felt like the copper was going to set this house off. And <laughs> Kevin gave us price for a copper piece. And I was like, well, not now. <laughs> and every so often I would ask him about the copper piece. And similar to me and AD, George was like, you're going to stop asking Kevin about this piece that we can't afford because Kevin going to get tired of us. And I was like, no, but I'm, I, I, it's not, I'm not asking just frivolously. Like yeah. this is a thing. Yeah. And I'm one of those people like, if I go, I, I, I say I want a Porsche, I need to go to the Porsche dealership and test drive the Porsche. Might not be able to pay for it. No time right now. But that's just a part of me manifesting this thing. So these conversations <laughs> with Kevin, like, are real. Um, and so for our 11th wedding anniversary, um, this was this piece. And the zine was to accompany kind of that story. And Vahamu was like, you know what? This should really be a book. I was like, I'll be daggone. Yeah. We went from a, what was it, 20-page <laughs> little seven-by-seven, seven, okay? We were ready for that to a whole book. And I was like, okay. Well, Fahamu said it must be right. Like, he said it. <laughs> I did not know what an undertaking it would be. Um, but that's when the book was started. And we knew we needed a, to do a better job of cataloging the mm-hmm. collection mm-hmm. and on the heels of the success of celebrating 10 years of Articulate, some of the feedback we were getting was that it was awesome that you didn't wait until 20, 30 years after the fact to document this, that this is being documented in real time. Because too often we wait and we say we have to reach a certain level um, to inspire and record. And we didn't want the book to be viewed as a vanity project. We wanted it to serve as a source of inspiration. Like we want other people, collect Atlanta, collect local, like do this thing. It doesn't have to be um, an activity just for those with monetary wealth. It doesn't always even have to be something you pay for per se, right? Like just collecting and being stewards of artistry and what's around you um, can happen with anybody, yeah. anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Um, and so often I think that we don't look at the beauty that's right there in front of us. And so the book at 10 years started to make sense. It was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this thing. But it is certainly, um, within our marriage, we've done some difficult things. And I would say this was the hardest. Really? And I did not know. Oh, yeah. I had no <laughs> yeah. idea. Yeah, so our um, umbrella company for everything we do is Soe Solutions, right? And when I tell you an intern, two employees, one of my former students, me and Asohe, and of course, everybody that contributed, you know, their work and like um, the articles to the book. The photographer, the graphic designer. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Hundreds of hours of work in this past year to get this book done. Wow. How do y'all feel about it now? I feel great that it's done, but um, the work don't stop. You know, now we trying to get it out there. We went to an art event last night and one of uh, our art collector friends had a book with him. And folks were like, where you get that from? So we like hustling books out of our trunk last <laughs> night. <laughs> you know, I was like, this, this is going to turn into a different type of game right here, you yeah. know. Yeah. But but no, yeah. it's, it's, it's been it's been sweet and rewarding to see the book, to see it in printed form after you're looking at it on a computer screen and mm-hmm. you're doing all of the the copy editing and is this word right and all the adjustments and the color corrections and all the things that have led up to it. It's really nice to see it. And it's offered us a different vantage point of the work. Mm. So to see it on our walls is one thing and to live with it for each 
piece to be able to breathe on a page by itself is a whole different representation. Um, so that has been really cool. However, one of, um, I feel like our struggles, I don't think it's our ministry, our secret sauce is marketing and PR. I feel like we do some of the best things you've never heard about, right? So if we can touch you, you know that it happened. Yeah. But if we didn't touch you or see you, you ain't heard about it. Right. Um, and so not wanting that to be the way of the book, because we do want it to inspire and we want other people to see it and believe that it's possible and it's doable. Yeah. And that's with an entrepreneur from a single parent household and a teacher, you know, like it's not, um, we don't have a lineage of collection, right? We don't come from old black money or old Atlanta money. Um, and it's still possible to kind of yeah. be stewards. Yeah. Um, that, that reminds me of the Postman Collect show. That was yeah, at, at Clark. Yeah. Like the exactly. same way. Like they um, worked as a postman and ended up collecting this amazing collection of work mm -hmm. from all the biggest names mm -hmm. and art just from getting like one little piece at a time or mm -hmm. doing favors and mm -hmm. like however he had to hustle it up. Mm -hmm. like, it's a long game. Yeah, it's a long game. And like, you know, I don't know how long they have been collecting what? I think it may have been 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. That was a long time. Mm -hmm. you know what I'm so y'all are early in the thing, but y'all are like well on your way to like having that same kind of space, we you know, because you that. don't know where like a lot of these people are going to go mm -hmm. like in the future. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? They could take off and could be like the cornerstone of the collection or they could just be like the greatest piece. Right. <laughs> you have in your liberal, <laughs> we got, yeah. You know what I mean? We might have the best one they did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, you know, I hope not for them. You nah, know, yeah. But, we hope not for that. We yeah. never, we never hope for that. But, yeah. you know, it, the the real value of art, I, I always stick to the real value. It's the thing, not the not the monetary value of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and so like I have a tremendous collection here. Where do you see the book going? Where would you like to see it go? I'd like for it to foster conversations in Atlanta, because I think um, we talk about the culture of Atlanta being. Um, <laughs> probably the best product that exists, but I think it's underfunded and underappreciated, right? Like mm -hmm. it gets all of the, you know, it gets all the shout out, but not necessarily the monetary recognition that it deserves. And so highlighting the talent in Atlanta and all that the scene has to offer that, I mean, it's they, the artists to me kind of do it on their own, right? Um, do it in spite of. Um, so there's a, a small community um, that is a really large community that touches a lot of people. But I hope the book is a part of that fostering that conversation and um, ensuring, to George's point, that the narrative is, is spoken to appropriately and correctly. But beyond that, there are a lot of Atlantas, right? There there are artists everywhere. We were talking like no matter what small town you are from, mm -hmm. there are artists there. And there are artists who are creating great work if they had somebody to buy it, if they had somebody to appreciate it, they had somebody to trade a favor for it, right? And I want people to see that. Um, my grandmother was the caretaker for her neighbor, Mr. Joe. And my mom has this beautiful sketch from Mr. Joe that we didn't get rid of, you know, because it's beautiful. And everybody should have that. And every Mr. Joe should have the opportunity for somebody to appreciate their work and to have their work after they're no longer here on earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the documentation of um, this work is important. Like I, I want to go back to Missouri and uh, I want to show people what folks is doing down here in Atlanta. I want to um, go uh, back to Howard and I want to show folks what folks are doing in Atlanta. Um, I'd like, I mean, you know, we got this goal of 10,000 copies being sold, right? Mm -hmm. That would be amazing because then we know that 10,000 people got a Tom Davy, got a Kaya Ferry, got a Fahamu Paku, like, like, in Don't their forget home. the Jamal Barber. Got a Jamal oh. Barber, <laughs> several Jamal Barbers <laughs> in the their home. Of the bottom of the list. For and, and, and that's what we want. That's what we need, you know. Um, yeah, we want people to, to hear and historically be able to look back at this book and know what was going on here right now. Yeah. 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 I like that. And, you know, and, and it's funny, like, even looking at the collection now, 
this podcast is almost uh, uh, an addendum for your book because there's so many of the artists that you have up here have been on the podcast. Wow. And so like yeah. a lot of people for Hamu, Mr. Henderson. You had Maya though, right? I had Maya up here. Uh-huh. Like, it, but it's so many. It's like if, if we all do our little part, like mm-hmm. to capture this history, yeah. you know what I'm saying? If they want to look through your book and then, you know, cut on the episode for Mr. Henderson on Studio Noise yep. and they can hear him talk about like all the ideas that are behind it. And so part of it is documenting the work and documenting the artists. And I think together you get a full sense of what it is because that's what makes the Harlem Renaissance so great. Mm-hmm. Right. During mm-hmm. the Harlem Renaissance, it was an explosion of black creativity, but not just because the work produced was there, but the writers were writing and telling you. Mm-hmm. So you got the Absolutely. photographs of them standing on the steps together. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you got, you know, all the stories about them hanging out, you know, at each other's home, doing group shows at people's houses. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's that type of energy. And I think that can be forgotten a lot. Because we get lost in this kind of black apathy mm-hmm. to say that we don't care about this and we don't care about that yeah. as black people. And it's just not true. Like, mm-hmm. we love it. Like, there's so many people like us, and we know so many people in mm-hmm. Atlanta love art. Absolutely. Artists that love making art. Mm-hmm. And we get together and we have fun and we have We play drinks. Uno. We play- <laughs> <laughs> Swap pieces yes. for Uno wins. And, you know, and, and we do it. And it's, a, and it's a big community. And like this part of documentation is amazing. Like it's exactly what we need like for this moment. Yeah. That's for real. Yeah. So, I, you know, big shout out to both of y'all for like going through the process of it. Because I can imagine how hard it was. But you raised money on Kickstarter. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. You got it yep. going. Like, yep. you know, you had got a proven model. People proven model. People interested, go. you know. <laughs> um, and now it's time to get these books out. Yeah. And so it's like a lot of talks coming up. Like you're gonna y'all gonna talk it up, you're gonna do events, you like get out the trunk. Like what you well, doing? Well let's talk it up now. So um you can purchase <laughs> your book on all sorts of platforms that Soe has set up for us. <laughs> can, can you speak on that a little bit, Soe? We'll highlight galbraithcollection.com. Okay. So galbraithcollection.com. But you can certainly, you'll see it other spaces and places. Um, we do have some um, events. We've started the Collector Circle, um, intimate engagements, um, talking about collecting, talking about artwork. We have a series of six of those planned. Mm. Um, collectors' homes, art spaces. Zucat is um, hosting us for a book signing, um, some radio interviews, storefronts, book signings opportunities. So yeah, like there's a there's a year planned. There's a year planned of activity um, to continue to promote the book and the project. Yeah, that's good, Joe. People, ah, people need to hear this stuff. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about, Joe. Get them, get it out there. Let everybody know. Uh, Thank you about this for giving show. us an opportunity. Oh no, share. you know I yeah. tell people all the time, and I told y'all so many times. Uh, Articulate did so much for me, just in terms of taking my career seriously. Like just in like just being in my basement making prints is not enough. <laughs> you know, anybody out here listening, <laughs> like that's not enough. Like just making it is not enough. You gotta be prepared. You gotta have a website. You gotta have mm-hmm. business cards. You gotta have prices. You gotta have your stuff presentable. Get them t shirts going. You gotta have the you t shirts. I mean? You know what I'm saying? You gotta you gotta be able to talk about your work too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like and so many people want the art to speak for itself, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It does not speak for itself, especially if you like a young artist and nobody knows you. You have to be the one to advocate for yourself and your art. And Articulate was always, I talked to people, that was the event where, okay, this has to be different, right? Because if I'm a full-time artist, I'm not going to get so many of these opportunities. I got to make the most of it every time. So I've, since that moment, I've been super serious about everything that I do. I have a lot of fun while I'm doing it. Yeah. But underneath that fun, don't think Jamal is a joke. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> dead serious about it. Yeah. The same way that y'all approach y'all collection. And we learned so much. So for a quick recap, uh, Atlanta artists, figurative, well, whatever style, certain size, <laughs> certain price point, uh, be alive and be able to have drinks with Sohei and George. That's all you need to do. You could be in the Gabra collection too. Yep. That's what's up, yo. Tell them where they can find y'all. So Instagram, Galbraith Collection. Instagram, Sohey Solutions for the Umbrella Activity. Mm-hmm. Instagram, George Galbraith. www.galbraithcollection.com and SoheySolutions.com.
That's what's up. We got to check it out. And right here, you already know, Studio Noah is going to give away a copy of the book, yo. We're paying for it, giving money straight to the pockets, getting it out okay. to the people, yo. And Thank we're you. honored to be able to give away a, one of y'all books to the people, yo. So y'all tune into the contest. Get y'all one of these things. Thank y'all for coming on the show, yo. I appreciate it. Love y'all, yo. Appreciate I really appreciate it. Y'all, Love are, y'all, are, y'all are amazing, yo. Appreciate that. That's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the bag. Big shout out to George and Sohei Galbraith. Collect Atlanta. Collect wherever you are. Collect black art. Just do it, baby. Just do it. Next week, your boy will be out giving a TED Talk on diversity in art academia. So I'm going to hit you with a flashback episode because I ain't going to leave you alone. And all my artists out there. Send a little love out to your collectors. Give them a little something. Let them know that you love them. Let them know you appreciate it. Tell them, I'm going to keep making that noise. You keep collecting it. (laughs) That's it. It's your boy, Jay Barber. I'm out. I'll see y'all. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Studio Noise Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise. Follow us on Instagram at Studio Noise Podcast.